Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. Come join me in prayer right now as we ask God to prepare our hearts to hear His Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for every worshipper here this morning because they have chosen to cease from their work and labor, just like you did at creation. And we come together as your people to worship you to find rest in you, to find empowerment, Lord, in you, Lord. So as we open our hearts and our ears to listen to you, Lord, Holy Spirit, teach us, convict us, so that we can be doers of your word and not hearers only. We pray all this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Last Sunday, we were reminded from Daniel chapter 1, verse one to seven. Three very powerful statements, right? God is perfectly in control, profoundly in charge, proactively involved. Now, before we rush to this, pause with me again. God, perfectly in control? Sure not. Perfectly in control, sovereignly in charge. Real not. And proactively involved in my life. How come I feel he's so far away? Now, don't mistake me. These are profound spiritual theological truths. Anyone who anchors his life upon this three statement will be unshakable. But you know what our life is most of the time? It's so easy to mouth these Christian words. And all it takes is for a situation that goes out of control in our life. And we go crazy. Because why? All these statements need to be tested in the furnace of the fire. As I began my personal sabbatical with a personal leave last year in June, I wanted to start with my personal leave so that I can really give of my best to my family and spend time fully with them. And the last time I was in San Francisco, uh, my children were three and five years old. Now they are 28 and 29 years old. All right, so we wanted to go down memory lane. And so we decided to go down to the fisherman's Wharf. I honestly don't know what's so nice about Fisherman's Wharf, but my family say it's nice to go. So we went. And after all the touristy thing, after all the makan, all right, we went back to the car at about 8 p.m. in the evening, and we found our car got broken in. Yeah. Many people have warned me, don't go, don't go, we still went. Don't leave anything behind your car. Nothing was in our car. They still broke in and they took nothing actually. I think I, think I have a Bible there but he didn't take unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and 
all hell break loose for me because I am the sort of guy who plans things. I cannot afford things to go out of control. Things have to happen. And we were going on a road trip the next day, 10 days on the road. And this is summertime. I'm not very sure whether there's going to be another rented car for me. So all the bookies are going to get into a lot of trouble. So we prayed very hard. That night, I couldn't sleep very well. The next day before the shop opened, I was already there. Smiled at the guy, explained the situation. He smiled back at me as though this is very normal. No need to get frantic about it. <laughs> After all the paperwork, he brought me out to the garage. And he says that this is the only car left. I guess it's reserved for you. Yeah. <laughs> it was empty except one car. Whatever car I take. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in our preaching text today, Daniel and his three friends were about to experience God's miraculous intervention far greater than my car replacement. They were undergoing a massive makeover and reprogramming, isn't it? They were soon going to become from Judeans to Chaldeans, right? They were God's chosen people right now. Soon they're going to be the Babylonian slave dogs. But they decided, these guys in the midst of this high-tension pressure to conform, they decided with such incredible courage and wisdom. Now, you cannot miss the author's intent in chapter 1 that their success was primarily attributed to the divine hands of God. God has not abandoned them. Because three times in chapter 1, these two words stood out very clearly. God gave. Look at Daniel chapter 1 verse 2. And the Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand, the enemy's hand. Daniel 1, 9, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion. Daniel 1, 7, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skills in all literatures and wisdom. You see, there is no question that God is on our side. That's God's specialty. He's His responsibility. But you and I know that we also have our side of the story. We have our part to play. We have our responsibility. Are we on God's side? Are we willing to go against the flow when the time calls for it? Nobody's asking us to be stupid and every time always go against the flow. No, there are times we need to stand up because it violates the truths of God. It violates the laws of God. It violates our convictions. And therefore, we have to stand up. So let's read the passage and see what this is all about. So please open up your Bible, whether digital or your manual. And turn to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 to 16. I won't be showing those verses on the screen, all right? Because I'd like you to get into the Bible. Daniel 1, 8 to 16. Reading from the ESV, English Standard Version. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. 
For why should he see you that you were in a worse condition than the youths who were of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Verse 11, Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servant according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Brothers and sisters, there are two convictions we need to develop so that we can go against the flow. The first, we've got to know what we are standing on. Know what you are standing on. Daniel 1 verse 9 reads, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, it is obvious to anyone reading the book of Daniel that these young guys were up against all odds. They were in a foreign land, as we know. They have a new taskmaster and a new culture, new education, new training, new names, new identity. Yet, they had not forgotten, even as youths, they had not forgotten their true identity and their purpose as God's chosen people, even in that difficult environment. All that we see in Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, as pointed out by Pastor at last Sunday, right? Their Korean star, silky, white, tofu skin, I call it, coupled with Einstein intelligence, they were totally God-given. Now you add to verse 4, verse 9, and we are told that God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. It is not enough to have good looks and smart brains. We desperately need God. Live long enough, you will know this is absolutely true. Period. God gave them special favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. The word favor in Hebrew is hesed, very often translated as loving kindness, which means covenant loyalty and faithfulness. Now, this is often applied between God to His people, but in this case, it's used to describe this word between two human relationships. Just imagine that kind of thickness between a so-called pagan officer and Daniel. They were thick. They were really thick. And the word compassion in the Hebrew, rahamin, that's a feelings of love and Affection. You see, somehow behind the scenes, something is happening here. And we would say that, wow, they fell on such good books, right? With the chief of staff. And they were standing tall, not because of their inherent capabilities, but because of God's benevolent graces. In summary, they were standing on 
the goodness and the mercies of God. It's always easy for us to forget this. Brothers and sisters, have you ever been in situations or places where somehow you experience people's unusual respect and affection for you? I've been there many times. Even when I was in the Air Force, God turns things to show His own glory. You know, everything that we have, our health, our assets, our intelligence, and even our good looks come from God. And if so, acknowledge it with gratitude and use it for His glory. Otherwise, it's very easy to be swept away by the forces of worldly fame and fortune. Very easy to lose ourselves to the tidal wave of temptations where it soon is all about me rather than all about God. We end up building our own castles rather than live for God's kingdom. Brothers and sisters, if you have experienced God's unmerited favour and goodness, I'm not just talking about salvation now. I'm talking about His favour and compassion and goodness to you. Then, give Him the due honour and credit. Live like you owe Him your everything. I never forget this water-tracing activity and adventure in Taiwan that my family made some years ago. My family likes to do crazy things here. I like to sit and have coffee and read my books. But because I'm a loving husband, I do what my wife tells me to do. <laughs> so we went on this water tracing thing on a cold day. Put on all your stuff, put on all your helmets. By the way, the next picture, yeah? By the way, this is not me, all right? <laughs> I, I don't even keep those pictures here. Yeah. I just draw it off from the internet. Yeah. So basically, the water comes up to about knee height. You wear all your stuff, and you go up against the stream. Lah. I don't know what we are doing all this for, but, <laughs> but that's what we were doing. Uh, uh, on that trip, there was a young Japanese boy, I don't know, eight to nine years old, skinny, small little fella. And so we were all making our way. They were in front of us. Suddenly, this small boy loses his footing, going downstream. I managed to catch him by his uh, life jacket, put it on his feet. Are you okay? He's okay. Go back to his parents. Now, immediately you, you get where I'm going right now. You see, the success of going upstream really depends on your strong footing. Yeah. Right? So you take one step at a time because there are rocks, there are pebbles, there are sediments. You could slip. So one step at a time, one step at a time, make sure you're on firm footing, then you move up slowly. No need to hurry. This is exactly what I'm saying. In order to go against the flow, you must first know what you are standing on. If we are standing on God, we will be unshakable. Doesn't mean there are no problems. If we are standing on God, we will be anchored. Doesn't mean there are no storms. There will be. But it is in the storm and through the storm that you will know how faithful God is. But if you are standing on your own marriage, your own whatever, we won't last very long. Brothers and sisters, we must know what we are standing on in order to go against the flow. Quickly tell your neighbour right now, you are standing on God's favour and compassion. Brothers and 
The second thing I want to communicate with you this morning is that you are standing. We've got to know what we are standing for. You know what you are standing on? Now you've got to know what you are standing for. Daniel 1 verse 8 reads, But Daniel resolved he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Here is a very compromising environment. But Daniel decided to stand up for God. The English translation, ESD, says Daniel resolved. In the NASB Bible, it says made up his mind. But in Hebrew, it simply means to place or set, S-E-T, to place or to set. Now, it is interesting to see some of the interplay of words here in those few verses starting from 7 part A. It says, the chief of staff, same Hebrew word, gave or translated set names for them. Then 7b, so he gave, same Hebrew word, or set for Daniel's new name. And then finally, 8a, which begins with our text today, now Daniel resolved, same Hebrew word as the two previous incidents, resolve or set. Resolve or set. That's why the English translation says made up his mind or resolve. In this Hebrew translation, it is interesting that the word set is the very first word in the sentence. In other words, lending greater significance and emphasis. So backtrack, what are we saying? Well, you see the Babylonian chief setting their agenda on these captives. He set names for them. He sets a name for Daniel. But notice the contrast right now. Daniel has his own setting to do. He has set it upon his heart, his spirit, and his mind that he will not defile himself with the king's choice food. You see, in other words, going against the flow and standing up for God begins inside here. Right inside here. That which you have resolved, determined, and make up your mind, that's on us. That's our responsibility. That which is pre-decided. Because we cannot afford to be caught unguarded, unprepared, and undecided because in those moments, we are most likely collapse under that pressure. There are a few stories that covenanters have shared with us over the last two weeks as we sought for some testimonies. I know someone who travels frequently. Now he doesn't, but he used to. And he says he does not do any other night entertainments except for the usual business dinner at appropriate places. You see, he has made up his mind. He knew what he was standing for. I spoke to someone who shared how he's decided not to check his office emails in the weekend so that he can find rest in God. And if that means losing his chance for future promotions, so be it. Predecided. But he also said in the same breath that he's learning how to communicate and set various expectations with his bosses and colleagues. You see, made up his mind. He knew what he was standing for. 
One more story. This comes from a salesperson. It was quarter ending. The two level above me, the VP, caught me on the last day of the quarter in the evening on a sizable deal. He mentioned that it would be very important to bring in this deal. But I explained that although the deal is firm, I still do not have the purchase order, the official purchase order. Then my BP said this over the phone. Listen, this order is very important and you must do the right thing. And he hung up. This covenant says, I was confused. My VP was actually telling me to do the right thing by downloading the order without the purchase order, which would be non-compliant. You see, the covenanter had to make a choice. What would he do? By God's grace, he had the conviction to do the right thing by not downloading the order, even though there was such a pressure from on high. And God honoured him because subsequently nothing more was heard about the matter. He made up his mind. He has predecided. Brothers and sisters, knowing what to stand up for begins here. Predecided. And may God, may God show you and give you wisdom because there are so many various situations in life. And at some vocations, they have greater temptations there than others. But we will be faced with all this, and I pray there will be that predetermined heart that we will honour God and will not defile ourselves. Now, see, scholars are very puzzled why Daniel would choose to make a stand on this food issue right now. Why? Because he could have resisted when they tried to name him, but no, no, I don't want this name, you know. Call me James Bond or something like that, yeah. No, resist. I want to give you this new education. No, 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 I will not go to this class. I pontang, yeah, I, I, I will play truant. He didn't. He went with the flow in those moments. But why? Why now when it comes to the choice of the king's food, huh, he resisted. So there are three possible explanations. Number one, some say because it's due to the dietary food law according to Leviticus chapter 11. In other words, food is not kosher. So the Hebrew... Uh, Jews are not supposed to partake of the food. It's forbidden food. Now, this is unlikely to be the reason because in the book of Daniel, subsequently in Daniel chapter 10 verse 3, Daniel actually partake of some of this choice food and wine. The other problem with this position is that the wine has never been an issue in the Leviticus law. Oh, that gives us permission to drink some wine. Huh? So again, you take this position, there's a problem, not just choice food, but wine as well. So this, this position is unlikely. Now, secondly, some say this has to do with the food offered to idols. All right, so Daniel says, nope, I will not partake of this. Now, it's a possible explanation. But then scholars also say, then, wouldn't the vegetables also have been offered to the idols? Likely, right? Rather than only offer meat, food offered to idols, vegetables, not important, don't offer. So again, it's not quite possible there. Finally, some say this has to do with this being beholden to the King, meaning that if you eat the king's food, uh, it's like equivalent to becoming one of the king's loyal subjects. So it's like the mafia world. Uh, if you eat and drink from the mafia, then you swear allegiance and give your life to the mafia. Right? It's the same idea over there. Now, again, scholars are not completely sure 
why Daniel chose to resist the food choice right now. It could be a well, uh, a mix of the three reasons. So one day when you meet Daniel in heaven, please ask him, yeah. So we don't know for sure, all right? And so one scholar that we think make a very good uh, summary uh, uh, say something like this, which I think we, we, we think is, is, is good. So for example, he said it is not so much it's not so much uh, something in the food that defiles as much as it is a total program of assimilation. At this point, the Babylonian government is exercising control over every aspect of their lives. They have little means to resist the forces of assimilation that are controlling them. So they seize on one of the few areas where they can still exercise control as an opportunity to preserve their distinct identity. Right? To preserve their sense of distinctiveness at the end of the day. Now, so don't forget the key point I'm trying to make here. Daniel set his heart. He made up his mind to stand for God in this instance by not eating the king's choice food because he believed that would defile him. So he abstained from it. Now, next, pay very close attention to how Daniel stood up for God because he did it with such grace and composure. And there's so much for us to learn. So there are three things I'd like to highlight for you here. One, you see that Daniel honored the constituted authority over him because he first approached the chief, right, the senior officer to grant him the exemption. But even that good friendship does not uh, give him the, the yes to say, I will lay down my head for you. Yeah, No, he says, sorry, sorry, Daniel. This is no go. My head is on the chopping block. But then Daniel smartly went to the other steward, right, that is probably the one in charge of giving him all the food. And this guy happened to take his suggestion, all right? And it went to pass. So you see, Daniel honoured the authority placed over him. And therefore, in reference for our application, the New Testament's teaching in Romans 13, Titus 3, and also 1 Peter chapter 2, calls us to honour and submit to constituted authority over us regardless of their faith affiliation or how good or how bad they are. Now, unless we are all caught to do something that is against our conscience, against our faith conviction, of course, then we stand up against it. But however, something that we need to really be watchful as we submit to constituted authority, I think the greater problem that we all face in the marketplace is that we get sucked into unhealthy office cultures and politicking and backbiting, isn't it? And therefore, we lose that Christian distinctiveness by going with the flow rather than going against the flow. We need to examine our own hearts, our own attitudes, how we preserve our distinctiveness. So that's the first. Secondly, Daniel displayed so much wisdom and respect. As I said, he spoke to the two levels of leadership, right? Now, he, of course, will know how difficult his request would have been. So he wisely suggested, right, test us for 10 days and, and then you, you decide what will happen after that. There's no cajoling, there's no demanding, there's no banging of tables. No, you decide at the end of it. He did it with so much respect and so much wisdom. So in other words, he was so wise and respectful. Finally, Daniel surrendered the outcome to God. I don't think Daniel knew what the outcome will be. The scripture does not tell us that this is something that God asked him to do. Daniel, 10 days, eat vegetables only. No, the scripture doesn't record for us. But Daniel took that position, right? All right and so all we know is that 
that he, he honoured the authority, he acted very wisely, and then he surrendered the outcome to God. Now, I honestly don't know what he would have done if after the 10 days testing, uh, he becomes scrawny like Pastor Edmund Wong, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but God acted on his behalf, praise the Lord, because he stood up for him. So I like what Jim Elliot said, the wonderful missionary that said, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Now, let me just summarize. Now, Daniel knew he had to stand up for God and his convictions, and he did so with such grace towards men, but such faith in God. And we can all say, what a testimony. Going against the flow does not mean we scream and we shout, we throw table and we throw chairs. In this narrative, at least. Right? But Daniel resolved not to break faith with God as he worked under those constraints submissively, wisely, respectfully, and trustingly. You know, the 18th century American preacher, theologian, philosopher, Jonathan Edwards, began writing a series of resolutions even in his late teens and by the time he was age 20, he already fulfilled a lot of them. Now you can Google for this and use it for your quiet time. Uh, one day just meditate on one resolution. But sometimes when I read the English, I don't understand what he's saying. Yeah. But anyway, Google for it. This is what I found. All right, uh, at least it's from Desiring God by John Piper's uh, ministry. So here's some examples. I extract them for our contemplation and application. For example, with regards to overall life mission, right? All of us is concerned about overall life mission. Look at what he resolved. He says, resolved never to do any manner of thing, whether in soul or body, less or more, but what tends to the glory of God. He wanted his life just solely for the glory of God. Regards to time management, he said, resolved to ask myself at the end of every day, week, month, and year, wherein I could possibly in any respect have done better. In manner of relationship, he says, resolved never to speak evil of anyone so that it shall tend to his dishonour, more or less, upon no account except for some real good. In matter of suffering, resolved when I feel pain, to think of the pain of martyrdom and of hell. After that, we won't complain anymore. In regards to character, resolve if I take delight in it as a gratification of pride or vanity or any such account, immediately throw it by. Finally, spiritual life. Resolved to examine carefully and constantly what that one thing in me is, what causes me in the least to doubt the love of God and then to direct all my forces against it. Wow, Jonathan Edwards, young guy like Daniel, he knew what he wanted to stand for. So therefore, is God calling you to stand up for Him today in some particular issue or situation, may He grant you the courage and the wisdom 
to do so. Let me conclude the sermon for this morning. We live in very dark and compromising times. And as Daniel lived in ancient Babylon, he really in his heart wanted to be God's faithful witness. So he made up his mind, I will go against the flow. This is also true for us as we live on this earth. And the Bible in Revelation does calls it the worldly Babylon. Because in Revelations, this worldly Babylon is described as the great prostitute that is out to entice humanity. And she's out to make all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. You see, like Daniel, we too live in earthly Babylon. And we too need to make up our mind that we will go against the flow. And to do so, we must know what we are standing on. And therefore, we know what we are standing for. Because the God of Daniel will be with us. And we need to loudly and boldly live and proclaim. God always gives His best to those who leave the choice with Him. In other words, you know who's your boss and you live for their ultimate glory. Let me close with this final story that came from a young lady covenanter recently. She's decided to join the RDMCI uni program, three months of uni program. And she had to choose between doing this and joining an internship. But after hearing what uh, Kuo Yi, which is our IDMCI uni coordinator, she texted him and she said this to him, Kuo Yi, after you talk about this program, IDMCI uni program, I went home and I thought, uh, I want to join this program. So looking at this website again, I realized that learning about God and growing my faith is far more important than any internship I can get. And I've decided to join this IDMCI uni program. So I've written to my internship coordinator this morning to request for a shorter internship that will allow me to end by 30 March. You see, she tried. She tried to balance, right? She wanted to do this. She knows God is asking to do this, but she said, okay, let me see if I can get a shorter internship. She did. But the coordinator wrote back and said, sorry, cannot. All right, so she wrote back to the coordinator and says, I will withdraw from this internship. Because the coordinator says that it's not possible to cut down from three months to one month. But she said to Kwai, no worries. I made my decision knowing this potential outcome. So I'm all right with following through with it. She went on to say, I want to understand God's word better and to be able to grow in my faith, I decided to apply for this program because I wish to build a stronger spiritual foundation for myself and be more consistent in my faith. We read this and we go, wow, that is hope for the next generation. Because we have a young Daniel in the Scriptures, we have a young covenanter in, in, our, in our midst that is willing to forego their internship. Now, we're not saying that all internships are bad. Huh? Everybody quit, don't go, don't, don't go out and then just do their internship. But you know, more of us want to go for internship because we advance our career in our studies, right? That's normal. But for someone to choose not to do it, that's amazing. It's God's will and purpose for her. And she went through with it. And truly, we can say, praise the Lord, because she made up her mind 
and she went against the flow. And we all say, God, hallelujah. But what about the rest of you? What about the rest of you? Is there something God is talking to you right now that you got to make up your mind? Because if not, the chances are is we will compromise. You know, sometimes some of this comes in mindsets. A certain mindset we have, we keep thinking in a certain way, and God may ask you, get rid of that mindset. You keep thinking like this, you're going to live very depressed life. Sometimes maybe a certain little thing, habit that God wants you to change, and says, God says, you've got to make that mind change this. Seek the Lord. I'm not about to list out things of you to do. I've showed you Jonathan Edwards' list that he has come out. But I'm very sure as you seek God, as you talk to Him, He will tell you, He will show you. Then you just obey and move accordingly. And when you do so, you experience a great sense of intimacy with God and of fruitfulness with Him because you've already decided to make up your mind on what is totally glorifying to God. You've been sitting for a long time, I know. So I'm going to ask you to stand together with me and stand with me for 30 seconds, all right? And you just open up your hearts and you open up your hands as the musicians come and he says, Holy Spirit, is there something you are talking to me right now that I need to make up my mind and just be still and to listen to him? Like I say, it could be something very small. It could be something very major. Whatever it is, open up your ears. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And then pursue that in the course of this week. Speak to me, Lord. In such time, is there something that I need to stand up for God. Because our ultimate purpose on earth is God be glorified. God be honoured. God be praised. Listen. Listen. Oh, Heavenly Father, speak to us. So that when you do, we will be bold like Daniel. Bold like this young covenanter to do that which you have predecided that which you have placed upon our hearts. Yes, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship God in this final song together.
one thing perhaps the Lord puts upon our hearts to resolve and we have to pre-decide 
And regardless what that is that God puts upon our hearts, here's what I discover all of us must do. Share it with someone, Ken. Because in the book of Daniel, here's what Daniel says, that you test your servants, plural. Deal with your servants, plural. Meaning, Daniel didn't do it alone. He did it with his friends and fought together for their purity. And the minute we fight alone, my friends, it's half the battle lost. But the minute we have others that we trust, we can open up our hearts to and journey together. It's half the battle won. I want to encourage us to do that. Whoever God may place in your life that you trust, journey together so that under God's mighty hand, we are stronger together. Let's receive this now as a prayer blessing from the Lord. And now therefore, may our God of peace Himself sanctify and make us completely holy. And may our whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls us is faithful. He will surely do it. And now unto Him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before His glorious presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. And God's people say together, Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.